Jewish Latin Princess episode 145, Best of Jewish Latin Princess 2020, my favorite conversations about money. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess, everyone. I'm your host, Yael Trush. As promised, today I'm continuing the theme of Best of 2020 with my favorite conversations about money. We started this conversation with Monday's episode where I highlighted some of my favorite conversations on the show, conversations which were specifically memorable to me. And today, I want to highlight some of the insights about money that came specifically from my guests. As you know, this year, I did share here some of my own appearances on other platforms, whether it be speeches I gave or podcast interviews I did in which the topic was money. But today, I want to highlight some of my favorite guests' insights on the topic. First off, we have friend and teacher Kathy Heller, host of Don't Keep Your Day Job podcast, who went from songwriter to savvy businesswoman and multimillionaire in a matter of four years. It seems to me that unlike many women, money mindset is something Kathy doesn't struggle too much with. Let's hear her perspective. I I mean, I have a lot to say about money because people, well, people often say money doesn't buy happiness, you know? That's all money does. That's all money buys is happiness. Happiness is the freedom to live life on your terms. Happiness is the freedom to spend time with the people you love. Happiness is being able to show up in the world the way you want to. You can do that when you have money. Happiness is buying you your freedom and your time. So money is amazing. And money is gorgeous. And the thing is that, you know, in our tradition, you know, King David was one of the wealthiest men that ever lived. And that's not a crime. All the prophets right? have to be wealthy. And it's, it's, yeah, for sure. It's actually a greater spiritual test to be mm-hmm. wealthy, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to receive that much light, mm-hmm. to be able to tolerate that much goodness and not feel shame. See, joy is the most vulnerable emotion. Most people can't last there very long. That's why they tend to worry a lot and all of that. Mm -hmm. Because when you feel joy, you start to feel like, oh my God, what if something came and took this away? So it's better for me if I'm a little disgruntled, right? And like I feel a little bit of a sense of control because joy is really handing over control to the greater power, you know, and living with that calm, living with that sense of calm. But then we get get nervous, (laughs) too vulnerable. Exactly. (laughs) Letting go too much. Because... Yeah, because we have a human brain and that brain was created to protect us. So it's always looking for like a saber tooth tiger to come around the corner. Mm -hmm. And instead, there's no saber tooth tiger, but yet you're worrying constantly. And so joy is an elevated higher vibration for sure. It's harder. It's a bigger test than feeling sad. It's, It's harder. It's harder to sustain. It takes it takes going from a place of fear, probably into a, a state of gratitude, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of getting scared and starting to worry and complain, you just hold the joy by being grateful mm-hmm. and, and being grateful to your creator, being grateful to your peers, your family, your the world, all of it. So that that is a trick to, to keeping your joy. But the thing is that 
I see a lot of women, especially who will say, you know, if I could just make this much money, just 75,000, just, it's like, what's with the just, Mm -hmm. there's like an apology because I think we have a deep seated belief that if I have money, I can't be, I can't be a good person. Mm -hmm. I can't be kind. Right. I have to choose either. I get to be good and sweet or I get to have money. That's not true. Bill Gates is one of the kindest people. Howard Schultz, who's another fellow Yid, was on my podcast. He grew up in public housing. Of course, he started, you know, Starbucks, built it to what it is, and he's worth billions. And he grew up at the last stop of the L train. Jewish family services used to give them food. They had no money. And he's one of the most humble, sweet human beings I've ever had the pleasure to meet. Same thing with Mark Cuban, who I just mentioned before. You you don't have to make that choice. You could be a rich person who's also kind. Mm-hmm. And if you think of it, it's so stupid. Think of your think of it right now. Like how many people can you think of who have no money who are really sweet? And how many people can you think of who have no money who are jerks? Mm-hmm. And how many people can you think of who have money who are jerks? And how many people can you think of who have money who are really kind? Mm-hmm. Like their name is on the bottom of a building. They they built this hospital. They're helping save the whales. They're right. helping these women. They're amazing, right? Yeah. So it's that tool money that, is, that, that it's a it's a neutral tool that God gave us to do our to fulfill our mission in the world. We need it to do all these wonderful yes. things that is that that He wants us to do. It's funny that this whole conversation. I wrote a piece on this on why money. It's on Chabad.org. Why money can buy me happiness, and it's it's basically in a nutshell a lot of what we're saying right now. Um, so yeah, money. Money is amazing, and the thing is, it's it's everywhere. You know, the the world that Hashem made is abundant. There is, if you look at the rainforest, right, and you just looked at like one square foot of the rainforest, think of how many insects and how much green and how much is there minerals. And it's abundant. Mm-hmm. If you think of the ocean and how it just goes on for miles and miles, it's abundant. If you think of human beings and goodness and love and laughter, it's everywhere. It's abundant. There's never an end to it. Like how many times can you go on Instagram a day and find a new person who you admire and you're like, click, going to follow this person. Oh my God, someone else with a beautiful idea. Oh my God, someone else with a beautiful family and beautiful struggles. It's never ending goodness. And that's the same thing with money. And so what I've found to be fascinating is now that I make a few million dollars a year, I go to these like five-star hotels and there's plenty of room, but nobody's there Mm -hmm. because we keep ourselves locked in these cages. I'm not enough. I don't deserve it. And because if you're successful, it's going to require courage. It's mm-hmm. going to require your, you might get rejected or people might not like you. It, it kind of comes down to self-permission. Yeah. Like if you give self-permission to put on your crown and know that you're the daughter of the king. Oh, I love it. The Latin gonna, princess. It, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> yes. It's, it's going to work, but we don't give ourselves the crown. We, we become constantly, that six-year-old girl that's scared of what all the, the other girls are going to think and say. <laughs> Yeah. And it's really giving, you know, it's a lot of chutzpah to God because you're basically saying you don't know what you're doing because it's false. It's false humility. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like the thing is there's 7 billion people plus in the world and everyone is needed. It's not like you could just say like, I'm not good enough to serve. So, you know, it's Oprah's job. Mm -hmm. It's Steve Jobs. It, It was his job. It's somebody else's job, not mine. I'm not good enough. It's like, it's not about being the Messiah. It's about are you available mm-hmm. to get scrappy and, you know, and like 
get some elbow grease in there and then just do whatever you can to show up. Most people don't realize that the thing that the world needs from us is not our expertise. It's not our, you know, fancy clothes. It's not our PhD. They just want you to be present. Mm. They just need empathy. And I think when I, I look back on my music career or my podcast or my courses and I think like, why did that first webinar sell? Empathy honesty, no slides, just Mm -hmm. real connection. Why did those phone calls actually work when I was so scared and shaking and calling NBC and calling these ad agencies on Madison Avenue? It's like, it was just the kindness of a human who spoke like humans speak and asking a question and telling the person, God, I'm so anxious to call you right now. I just wanted to reach out. I want to know what you guys need. I really want to serve. And I feel so nervous to call, you know, it's like, The humanity of it is what makes people connect. And then thank God we live in a human world. It's not robots. You know, we are, we, we connect with feelings. And so I think if you can show up and you can be authentic words from the heart, speak to the heart. You can hear more about Kathy Heller's journey into six figure songwriting and then into business coaching and uber successful podcast host on episode 124, which aired in May. Natalie Gold was also with us this year, and she's a wealth attorney and author who's been on major news outlets discussing wealth building and how to secure a future for your family. I had Natalie on the radar for this show for over a year, and I finally connected with her, and I'm so glad we did. Natalie has become a good friend, and she talks to us about the concept of a marriage constitution to lay down the law, as she says it, about what each partner's expectations are when it comes to their finances. Now, this is not a prenup. Don't get it confused. This is something else. And this, as much of her work, is based on her belief that in this day and age, it is imperative for women to know about their money and their family's money. And yes, that may include legal aspects, but basically there is no excuse for us not to get a handle around those things when we're building a family and a future together. Listen to what she had to say. Now, even more so than that, I created the concept and I was on Good Morning America speaking about a portion of it, which is the marriage constitution. Tell us about it. I love that idea because I often tell my podcast listeners and my students to have regular money dates, scheduled times on your calendar where you sit with your spouse and you actually speak about your financial life, everything from the small stuff to the big stuff that we're talking about today. So you have some, you take it a step further. Talk, talk to us about this marriage constitution because I think it's brilliant. Thank you, Yael. And we should definitely combine our forces on this we one. We should, totally. So look, a marriage constitution is this. We are literally creating our family rights, right? Okay, here's the deal. Some people have a different pocket and some people look, $100 or $200 transactions, a big deal. And for some people... is what they spend getting their coffee in the morning, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So each couple in the marriage constitution discusses what are the terms? What are our boundaries, okay? You know, are we talking about a $100 purchase? Are we talking about a $1,000 purchase? Do we need each other's buy-in and uh, what amount of money? Now, everyone comes into a relationship with a different money story. Correct. So we also need to come to terms with what is that and what does that person believe about money? Now, also, you want to make sure in that conversation, are you updating beneficiaries on your accounts? Because if you don't, you know, good luck fighting that in court, Mm -hmm. okay? 
you also want to understand so significantly, which is the baby prenup, which is part of the marriage constitution. Like, what are the ground rules before you bring these beautiful human beings into the world? Because I'll tell you something. Trevor Noah made fun of me and my husband. We spoke about baby prenup and good morning. He picked up the thing and goes, the latest in white people child rearing. And you hear the cue, the laughing. And I thought it was hysterical. But the fact is, yeah, it's very easy for Trevor Noah, who doesn't have children, to say that. Mm-hmm. But as we know, and as I'm assuming 99% of your listeners are women. Yeah, and 85% of them are mothers. Okay. We know damn well that if we don't lay out the rules, it's going to fall on us. Mm-hmm. So we're now in a world where we are empowered women, or so they say. Empowerment, that's the key. <laughs> Academic success. Go for it, girl. You can do it. Then you become a mother. Mm-hmm. How dare you go back to work? Or your mother-in-law says, I didn't do anything for myself when I was a new mom. And society asks you, why do you go back to work? Or if you don't go back, well, what did you get your degree for? What are you wasting your life for? So as we know, we can't make we can't win happy. No, we can't win. But you better make yourself happy. Yep. And you gotta lay down the law because, as we know, men, if they are not explained explicitly <laughs> what is okay and what is not okay, they're going to literally and figuratively, you know what to you, okay? <laughs> so you have to. And this is to me the most important thing. I mean, I. My, my second book, Money Mama, was all about this. It's about, um, and I'm going to make a shameless plug. Please yeah. do. I wrote about, we are confronted with now this whole new persona. Mm-hmm. And our life is not ours anymore. It is, we're thinking first about our children. Of course. So if that's the case, it naturally follows that, we, who, by the way, statistically are nine times out of 10 more likely to survive men. Yes. Yeah. 90% of us are going to survive. If we want to take care of our children, don't you think we should understand a little bit about the money? Mm-hmm. Yes. What are we working so hard for otherwise? What are we doing? I mean, you're working on the wheel or, or like I like to call it the, uh, the elliptical uh-huh. or or on the treadmill. You're staying in one place. You're not doing anything. You're just on the wheel. And maybe that's not the best example because on the elliptical, okay, you're going to be, you know, shredding somewhat. You're losing weight. You're getting your heart rate up. But the fact is, if you're staying in one place on like a mouse wheel and you think you're doing something, but you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to protect yourself. And, and by the way, 50 plus percent of people are getting divorced. Are you waiting for then for your husband to say, I found a newer, younger model? Mm-hmm. For them to start figuring out what you have and not have? And oh, by the way, he's very wealthy, but all of a sudden, in the last two years in business haven't been so great and where's the money baby the money is there and it's in the caymans or anywhere else that the money is protected in private and likely you signed away on that not knowing what you're signing so wake up ladies you can listen to the rest of this fabulous interview with natalie alicia gold on episode 136 which aired in october 
Now, Barbara Hewson, formerly Stanny, is no newbie to the show, and this time she shares how she worked over the years on rewiring her brain for wealth. Barbara endured a major wake-up call when she realized that she had blindly handed over her inheritance to her husband, who was a compulsive stock picker and who managed to lose all of her money. Eventually, this led her um, this led not just to the loss of her money, but the loss of her marriage. She was divorced and left with very modest earnings uh, income as a journalist with three young children to raise when she was also hit with tax bills of over $1 million for transactions that she had no idea had happened under her name with her signature. And she admits that she had signed on the dotted line many, many times over many, many times during her marriage, thinking that her husband was carefully managing their finances. Well, the only problem was that her husband, well, one of the only problems, there were a lot of problems, but one of the big ones here was that her husband had left the country and basically the IRS wanted their money. Her multimillionaire father would not lend her the money and she had to figure things out on her own. And well, she ended up becoming the foremost authority in women and money in this country. I would say along with Karen McCall, that same generation, this entire story is actually on episode number four of this podcast, one of my earliest episodes, interviews. But this year, Barbara came back to share with me how we can rewire our brain for wealth. Again, a process that I think over the years it came through in this interview that she had been doing, not knowing that she had been doing it. And only real, only recently did she realized that there was proven science to what she had achieved for herself. And she developed a system to teach it to us in a very clear, systematic way. Listen to what she had to say. So I've written, I'd written six, six, seven books. I've written seven books. One's out of print. So I've written seven books. And I've been doing this for 25 years, empowering women around money. And one day, about six years, seven years ago, I got up and I didn't want to go to work. And over time, I lost interest in my work. I, I was just dreading the day ahead. And I remember turning to my husband and saying, I would like to take a sledgehammer to my business and just smash it to some smithereens. It was like I was done. Hmm. And I couldn't figure it out because this was my mission. This was my ministry. This is my this is my purpose. Hmm. This is why I'm here. And so I, I couldn't figure out what was going. It felt like something was missing. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I'm going to take some time off. I I stopped taking new clients. I stopped speaking. I stopped doing all the things. I kind of cleared my plate. And I just thought, what is missing? Or am I really done? And then during this period, I was going through my email and an article about neuroscience was in my inbox. I knew nothing about neuroscience. I printed it out and I started reading it. And it was like the light bulb went off in my brain. It was like, oh, I'm my God, this is the missing piece. This is it. And so I started studying neuroscience. I started reading about it. I started applying it, integrating it into my work, which was already includes psychology, spirituality with personal finance. And then I started experimenting it with me. And then I started experimenting with, I had all these guinea pig clients and (laughs) I started giving workshops. So after about five years, six years, I came up I boiled it all down to three steps and also what I call three power tools, which I haven't really talked about, but the three steps. So to rewire your brain, 
So the mind and the brain work together. What flows through the mind shapes the brain. So you have to start because trying to change your behavior is really almost a lost cause. It's really hard. You change your thoughts, you definitely change the wiring in your brain, which controls your behavior. Mm -hmm. And then it gets easier. So how do you change your thoughts so you can start wiring your brain differently? And here are the three steps. The first step, and I've given to you really quickly, and then we can talk about it more if you'd like. The first step is simply recognize a negative thought. Simply recognize a a negative, critical thought that may be holding you back, Mm -hmm. like there's never enough, or I'm not enough, or mine that I just finished working on is I don't have what it takes. And then you just notice that thought, and you go, and you notice it not with judgment, with curiosity. Actually, I'm telling, I'm saying more than I expected. So I'm just going to go ahead go, and go. explain it. You, you, you notice it with, with curiosity. And you specifically say, oh, oh, isn't that interesting? I'm having a thought about not having enough. I'm having a thought about not being enough. I'm having a thought about I don't have what it takes. That separates you from your thought. And it, because you, the, your thoughts are not the truth. Every thought you have has somehow been conditioned or programmed in you. And so you realize, oh, I'm having a thought. That's not the truth. It's though it's been wired in my brain. So that's where you start just noticing. And even if you do nothing else for a week or two, just observing those negative thoughts can be powerful. I like to think about them as little visitors that just, it's just a visitor. It's not you. It's not me. It's just a guest that came knocking on the door. I don't have to answer. I love it. I love it. I I got a client. I got a client who said, I look at them as warriors. These little boys, all they need is a hug. These little thoughts are my little boys who need a hug. So yeah, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I love that. Uh, But those thoughts can be very insistent. Yeah. And those thoughts sometimes don't even show up as thoughts. They show up as visceral feelings. Mm-hmm. Which is, by the way, Barbara, you know, our mutual friend, our colleague, um, Barry Tester, she always talks about the body check-in. You know, like n- even even for people, sometimes it's hard to get to the thought. I, and, and, and she talks about the fact that just notice in your in your body what's happening. You're feeling tense. Your stomach is tight. Like, just notice it and say, oh, what is it that I'm feeling? Oh, what's the thought behind this feeling, right? Oh, he's visiting me again. It's visiting me again. Exactly. Because for me, like, I don't have what it takes. It doesn't even show up often as a word. It shows up as this deep, dark, dread feeling. Mm -hmm. So, yes, notice that. Just notice. And that's all you do. The second step is you reframe it. You look for ways to see the situation differently. And for example, um, I, I don't I, I, I don't have what it takes. So I so I, I thought about it. Sometimes it's it's not easy to reframe. I, there, there's a prayer. There's a lesson in A Course of Miracles that I use as a prayer. And I'll just say, above all else, let me see this differently. Mm-hmm. And for me, that came up as, oh, I can handle this. So I, I wrote it, on, and I keep it right next to my computer. I can handle this. I'm not enough. I'm enough. It can be the opposite. 
Or it can be just a reframe. Oh, this is an opportunity to to rewire. Just saying, oh, I'm having a negative thought. Let me rewire that. So the second is, first is you, you observe, you recognize. Second, you reframe. And the third is you respond differently. Mm. You respond differently. You respond different than you normally would. So if you're normally would, uh, like if you normally would, if you normally get scared and you go, then you, you def, then you do what you need to do. You respond differently and you must do this over and over and over and over and over again. Because at the very beginning, trying to rewire a hardwired brain, it's just like everything in you will say, stop, don't do this. It just sucks you in. Mm-hmm. And so, it, but it doesn't need to take that long. Really? Tell me more. <laughs> well, various various things I've read, neuroscientists have said, it can take a matter of days. It can take a matter of months. Really, it depends on two things, three things. It depends on your motivation, how mm-hmm. much you want to change. It depends on your level of commitment, how ready you are to walk through fire to make it happen. And it it depends on discipline. Because most of us are really lazy about our thinking. I yeah. get really lazy about my thinking. It's just so easy. It's just so easy. Because those hardwired neural pathways have the have this like gravitational pull that just sucks you in. And so it takes tremendous diligence and vigilance. So depending on how vigilant you are, it doesn't need to take a long time. And it also, I think... We go through stages where we might uncover certain thought processes and what's holding us back and we might work on that. But that old ceiling now becomes my bottom. Now I find a new ceiling. There's something else that's coming to trip me over. And it's again, going back to the process of shining a light on it, right? Oh, isn't that interesting? I'm about to embark on this new endeavor and look how I'm thinking, right? (laughs) And then doing the process again. Let me reframe it. And now I got to go do the thing, feel the fear. And what was that famous book, that wonderful book, feel the fear and do it anyways. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I'm assuming that, well, let me ask you this. Is there of these three steps, is there a part when you've taught, you've, you've coached so many people now at this point with this process, is there one of the three that you find is often most challenging for people, for women? Yes, for anybody. Responding differently. Because here's here's why. There, there's really three reasons. Actually, there, there's four. It's really hard to respond differently because, as I said, the neural pathway that says there's not enough or the neural pathway that says I'm not important mm. or the neural pathway that says money is bad, that has been dug so deep in you. And that has a force. So it's like this gravitational force that will suck you in. So it's really hard. The second reason is because every thought you think triggers a neurotransmitter, mm-hmm. releases a neurotransmitter or a chemical. And I think there are seven or eight different chemicals, but our body literally gets addicted to those chemicals. So every time we go to think a different thought, to respond differently, we, we it's like going through detox. Withdrawal. We go through withdrawal. Yeah. Yes. And the third reason is whenever we're stressed or tired or scared, we just automatically go back to the back old to way. the comfort zone, right? What we're used to. Yes, and the fourth 
and this is really rarely talked about in, in literature on finance for women, but it's so important, is if there has been any trauma, any trauma, that trauma will get, if it's triggered, your brain shuts down, your rational brain, and you will go to fight, flight, and freeze. So it's really important to understand the effect trauma has had on you and to do some healing work on that trauma if you find yourself really stuck. You can listen to the rest of Barbara Hewson on episode 142, which aired recently on December 3rd. By the way, Barbara has been a gracious guest in my program, God Wants You to Be Rich, which you all know, I think that was formerly called Jewish Money Makeover. And she was absolutely fantastic. And my students adored her because, well, she is Barbara Hewson. She's just fabulous. Um, And one of the women she actually credits for her entire financial transformation back decades ago is the wonderful Karen McCall, creator of the app MoneyGrit, founder of the Financial Recovery Institute and author of Financial Recovery, a fabulous book, who will also be my guest expert for my students soon coming up on January 6th. And she is definitely one of the pioneers of the field on the field of personal finance and women in this country. So all that to say that if you've been thinking that you want financial freedom, I do teach a fabulous high touch program that takes you to financial freedom. It teaches you the spiritual and practical tools to live a life free of financial worries and to build the wealth that allows you to finance your values and live a more fulfilled life. It is called God Wants You to Be Rich. And if you join the wait list now, you will be privy to the early bird bonuses, which may involve live sessions with experts such as the ones I just mentioned, as well as myself. Head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash wait list to get yourself on that list and find out first about the doors opening to that program and your special bonuses. If you have questions, send me a DM on Instagram or you can, you know, just send an email. And that's a wrap, ladies. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed this conversation, leave me a review and rating and share the episode with a woman who you might think might appreciate the show, might appreciate the insights, the conversations. I will be back here on Monday, God willing, with a surprise, a surprise guest. It's a guest that I know you all love and adore. And um, yes, and I will be back here with my regular routine of picking a reviewer of the week. So I look forward to doing that. And of course, getting together with that reviewer um, for our 20 minute virtual coffee date or phone conversation. In the meantime, I wish you all a fabulous week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.